Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 620! Science Faction, bad ideas about depression and how to get hot-blooded. Bad ideas about depression, like um, like telling somebody who has depression, hey man, cheer up, other people have it worse. Yeah, yeah, actually, here's a bunch of good, bad depression advice. How about, uh, uh, maybe you should just smile more. Yes, I, I often say that to women, but I do say yes. it to depressed people too. Yeah. Hey, dude, just get over it, man. You just got the sads. Actually, I use a lot of like the excuses we tell women when bad things happen to them. So when somebody, whenever somebody's depressed, I just yell, "It was their fault for dressing that way." Yeah, <laughs> I dressed goth. You're right. Oh my god, I dressed like a goth. I did this to myself. <laughs> and then meanwhile, like a very astute young person will come in and lecture me. Now listen, just because you depress, you dress this way, doesn't mean you deserve to be depressed. <laughs> Listen, you think liking Robert Smith and The Cure just comes without a price, brother? You think you think you could just dabble in The Cure's library and not come out with the case of the sads? What are you, a robot? Oh, and speaking of the robot of this show, I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert the Robot Timothy, and with me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon? I am doing great, and by the way, you brought this up. I saw it in the email, and I, and, uh, I don't want. I want to have a serious message about depression, and sure. say that uh, I myself was pretty depressed for a while, not that long ago. Um, yeah. uh, Bobby uh, was actually a great friend and resource, and outside of the I time told you to we stop were dressing that way. <laughs> I'm telling you, Robert Smith's coming to town. Joy Division's here. <laughs> what are we gonna do? Dress in bright pastels and go to the concert, bro? You get what you deserve. <laughs> uh, Bobby was somebody who was there. And so, you know, I know we're, you know, uh, you're not supposed to talk about depression, but uh, it, it, if, you, if, you, if you are feeling down, you know, it, it's affected everything part of my life. It made my life, sure. it made my wife's life insufferable. Uh, if you're listening to Awful Neutral, uh, it really affected the release schedule. <laughs> You know, because uh, uh, when you're depressed, man, I will say doing multi-track editing is not the way to get better. But <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, I I do two-track editing. I'm a fairly decently happy person, but the thought of editing a single one of your eight-track podcasts makes me clinically depressed. Yeah, do, do you guys want to know why we don't have guests on the podcast? Is because Bobby, despite all of his working, he has been maneuvering behind the scenes to get a studio. But when yeah. you record with three separate people in three separate locations, you deal with three separate audio tracks, and and it's like this weird thing where like. Each each audio track you add after the first actually increases the amount of work, like on a graph exponentially. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Richter scale. Yeah, Bobby's like, he's married, he has several full-time jobs, and so yeah. adding a scientist is just like, he has a choice. He could be married and a dad, or he can have a scientist on the podcast. He can't oh, have that's both. that's not it. I would have I divorced a long time ago. That's not it. No, I just, I think we lose some <laughs> of the comedy if we don't have at least two of the people. You know, if we have Three people remote, I think you just lose some of the comedy for our particular style, maybe not so much as as much as yours. But yeah, like depression is super, super common. And, and you're bringing up a good point, which is that people who are depressed still are able to oftentimes do their own 
work or their job or their life in such a way that you don't necessarily recognize it. I bet most of our listeners would not hear you cracking jokes on a weekly basis and think, you know, that 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 was the case. I was sad every week, super down, and uh, I still, you know, like, just like a co-worker or a loved Mm -hmm. one might, I still would come and record Science Faction and, like, admittedly, put out some good shit, you know? I I, uh, (laughs) Some of our best episodes, you know, I think this is kind of a stand-up comedian thing that we have grown to do, which is that, especially, you know, before COVID, when we were doing stand-up, you know, many times a week you are up in front of a stage and it's not like, you know, you didn't book that show that day. That show was booked weeks in advance. So if your grandma died the day before, like you could ask to get out of that show, but like, frankly, you have worked really hard to get to that point And you just a few drop shows before you lose it. So like, Stuff happens in your life as a stand-up, and you're like, oh, my God, my wife just dumped me. I have to go on stage in 15 minutes. Oh, my God, my grandparent just died. I have to go on stage in two hours. Oh, my God, I have three shows tonight, and and I just got fired from the job that pays my rent, and I'm homeless. Like, you just... There is this weird thing about stand-up comedy where it's like, I need to push through the funny regardless of what is happening in my life. Yeah, my grandfather died, but I didn't stop needing attention. Like, I didn't... didn't, (laughs) I'm not still craving a bottomless pit like uh, I'm 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 some sort of uh, like a Siberian bottomless pit that you could just throw attention down and it's never enough depression or not. Anyhow, point is get help uh, if you know somebody who has depression. If you know somebody who's feeling down, uh, do what Bobby did and just just offer to be there. You know, just offer to somebody to talk to. It it it, it means the world. And, uh, and if you have, you know, it's not your fault, you're depressed, but, um, you know, uh, as, as Marcus, uh, from, uh, uh, last podcast and left say, it is your responsibility, what you do with it. If, you know, if you need medication, uh, sure. take it, you know, if you need therapy, do that. Just, just, uh, and yeah, serious yeah. time over dick, dick, baba booey penis. <laughs> No, hundred uh, percent behind you on that one, and I'm sure there's there's statistically a ton of people listening to this who might be going through that same thing, and I'm sure they probably will feel uh, a little bit of shock and some camaraderie to know that that you went through the same. Uh, and if you would like to not be depressed, join our Patreon, where depression goes away magically. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon, and that will magically cure any depression, from what I have been told. Well, yeah, I mean, like, well, there is some truth to that. I would think yeah. uh, if you if you're a fan of the show, you have access to the special I call BS episodes that yep. are available on Patreon, and there I selflessly play the whipping boy and absorb all the pain and suffering in your life, <laughs> if only for thirty minutes or twenty minutes or however long we're being racist. So. <laughs> That's interesting because I had always interpreted it as uh, like a way to to almost like the purge, but for hate that the audience feels for you for continually <laughs> getting the answers wrong. Like and they get to get their anger out and then they are left oh. feeling cathartic. You know, like because I was like curious, like as this bit progressed, you know, like would people like feel bad for me, like or something? Like would people feel bad, like for the for the bit, you know, or right. or or would people like like be like, yeah, Milgram, whip him harder, yeah, more electricity, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, and I'm plus, I I don't think we've gotten a single. Take it easy on Damien. No, <laughs> no, no. Like I've said, most people are pretty angry that I'm not harder on you. <laughs> I'm disgusted with humanity. Fucking disgusted. This is why I was depressed, you pieces of shit. I'm Screech from Saved by the Bell. I'm Dustin Diamond. I have to deal with abuse. 
I'll help you. I, I will have you know that that gentleman uh, went on to make many illicit porn videos, some of which were actually sold in retail shops. So there you go. I I forgot about that chapter. And then he was stabbed in a bar on Christmas, which is like the screechiest way to die. <laughs> <laughs> in heaven, you get to play the role of Zack. <laughs> Favorite quote from Saturday Night Live. One of my favorite quotes from Saturday Night Live. Let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. Article number one, depression is not caused by low serotonin. That all those serotonin pills that I took did nothing to cure me? Sucking the serotonin out of a, I don't know, a morgue corpse? Well, I mean, <laughs> antidepressants are SSRIs. We'll get into that. We're going to talk about this week's primary article. It's probably the primary science article that has been released in the past few weeks or months even. One of the biggest scientific articles of 2022, without a doubt. This is a very interesting finding and one that flies in the face of a lot of the conventional research that we have probably been introduced to. I mean, certainly what I was taught, uh, psychology was one of my majors in undergrad and certainly what I was taught in clinical psychology classes, uh, not just lower div stuff, but, but upper div undergrad stuff was that the best research showed that depression is a chemical imbalance caused by either some sort of bizarre serotonin activity or just low serotonin in general. I mean, if serotonin is not the mechanism by which it works and these SSRI uptake inhibitors, which by the way, the only reason I've really stayed away from medication is because I enjoy my dick and I'd like for it to work. Mm. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry, can we say that on this podcast? I don't know if we go blue. Here on the I do show. think I do think that so that is one of the many uh, side effects of many antidepressants is there can be se very serious sexual side effects and that can be a problem for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, chronic masturbation is part of my identity. I put it on my fucking resume. Like you going to take that from me? Like are we going to say to a builder you cannot build? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you what would you call it if you were try if your problem was that you wanted to masturbate but you could not get erect? I'm tired of throwing rope or like <laughs> pushing rope is if you're trying to have sex yeah. and you can't get it right. Throwing rope. Uh, that's what that's closest I would go to. Try, like, uh, like I'm tired of lassoing might be the, the like the <laughs> yeah. slang vernacular, the urban dictionary. Oh, I know. I'm tired of used car lot mascotting all around this place. <laughs> I, ref I uh, unaffectionately refer to my penis now as the wacky, wailing, inflatable <laughs> arm tube man. So, <laughs> he's wacky! Oh, uh, dear. Before we get started, I just want to let you guys know, obviously, we're not medical professionals. Obviously, this is recent scientific discoveries. This is not something you should immediately put into your life because it needs to be reviewed. We need to have further studies show the same things. We need to have lots of studies look at what happens as people get off SSRIs. So if you are a person who has been depressed and you've been prescribed SSRIs, please, please do not stop taking it because of what you are about to hear. But maybe keep your ear to the ground and talk to your doctor about what yeah. you are about to hear. And 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 taking longer to get an erection also means it takes longer to climax. So maybe this could be a performance enhancer uh, in sure. a way if you're uh, in, in a committed 
relationship where you got to have those long fuck jams, you know? Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a fuck jam story. So <laughs> at the heart of every story we tell on science. <laughs> yes. So this, this article super interesting. It totally upends our understanding of a condition that impacts a gigantic percentage of people in the first world. Now, we don't have the, the numbers for this for the third world because we're not always doing, you know, psychological observations and therapy isn't always available and that kind of thing. But, but sometimes uh, in terms of SSRI prescription, we can look at sometimes as much as a sixth of the population, a fifth to a sixth of the population uh, at any given time might be prescribed SSRIs. Uh, that stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. And and what that does is it basically, uh, instead of adding more serotonin to your brain, it stops your serotonin from being absorbed back into the primary cell that's releasing it so that it stays in the synaptic gap between the cell that's releasing it and the cell that's receiving it. And because it stays in the synaptic gap, it continues to bind and activate the activating cell. So even though there's the same amount of serotonin, that amount of serotonin acts as if it's more serotonin when it can't be reuptaked out of the synaptic gap. It just keeps working. So basically SSRIs don't add serotonin to your system, but the effect is as if they had. Yeah, uh, it, it starts a recycling program, a serotonin recycling program in your... Yeah. Well, your serotonin is naturally part of the recycling program. I guess what you would add, you would say is it added the reuse corner of the recycle triangle, the reduce, reuse, <laughs> recycle triangle. It added reuse to it where instead of just one use throughout the synaptic gap when it gets sent out between, you know, one cell and another, it actually gets, you know, multiple uses or, or multiple extended times of use because it's not being reuptaked. So... A little bit of a biology lesson there, but the, the thing to note is the effect of SSRIs is that they seem to affect you as if you have more serotonin in your body, though they don't actually add serotonin to your body. That's all you need to get from that. They <laughs> act as a paralytic agent to your genitals. They act as, uh, as, as, a, as an age simulator for a 90-year-old penis. Uh, and ladies, too, I, I, I would imagine it takes longer to climax, uh, despite your space-age sex toys. I don't know. Don't you think I wish I had a space-age sex toy? They don't make them for dudes. The flashlight. That's all we have. <laughs> that's not all we have, but... <laughs> okay. Modern technology is doing amazing things with the taint. That's all I'll put out there. Anyway, regardless... This Until Westworld comes to fruition, there is no even playing field. So this was a huge review. It looked at all of the existing meta-analysis. Now, we've talked about meta-analysis before. A meta-analysis looks at a bunch of different studies. This looks at a bunch of different meta-analyses and systematic reviews. So it's basically looking at everything that we have on depression. And they found that there wasn't a very strong association between serotonin in general and depression, regardless of whether you start getting into SSRIs. So here's a quote. Research that compared levels of serotonin and its breakdown products in the blood or, or brain fluids did not find a difference between people diagnosed with depression and healthy control participants. Meaning... Somebody who's depressed and somebody who's not depressed, they don't have any notable difference in serotonin in their blood. That's a really big deal because if the entire hypothesis is that depression is caused by, or at least in part caused by, low serotonin levels, then the fact that there's no discrepancy between the serotonin levels between people who are depressed and are not, uh, that's a big deal. Now, I know those of you who are already kind of thinking it in a molecular biology way are saying, but wait, doesn't that get broken Nerds. down? And Nerds! <laughs> 
And yes, it does. But again, it says it says serotonin and its breakdown products, meaning even after it gets metabolized, broken down, put out, we can tell how much serotonin was in your system. And we are seeing no association between depression and statistically low serotonin levels. In fact, if we looked at a big group of people uh, and randomized them, some were depressed and some were not, and the only way we could tell, we could look at them by is their serotonin levels, we'd have no idea who was in what group. So what what they're saying is like, when they're like, uh, yeah, you're gonna have to take these serotonin, uh, you're gonna have to take these SSRIs, Mm -hmm. Um, but they take a couple months to work. And then by then, like, you're naturally out of your funk anyway. Well, well, we're going to get, we're going to get to a little bit of the, uh, of what this means a little bit later, but we'll get, get, we'll just, let's expel all this data first off. So here's another quote. Uh, In addition, the authors also looked at studies where serotonin levels were artificially lowered in hundreds of people by depriving their diets of the amino acid required to make serotonin. These studies have been cited as demonstrating that a serotonin deficiency is linked to depression, but a meta-analysis conducted in 2007 and a sample of recent studies found that lowering serotonin in this way did not produce depression in hundreds of healthy volunteers. There was very weak evidence in a small subgroup of people with a family history of depression but this only involved 75 participants and more recent evidence was inconclusive. So what they're saying is not only can we not tell the difference between depressed people and non-depressed people by looking at the serotonin levels of their blood, but also in specific cases where people basically have low levels of serotonin because the diet we are feeding them does not allow them to produce serotonin in their body, we don't see evidence of increased depression in those people either. You're talking about what I'm guessing, like like what you just described, what the Russian government does to Siberia. No green plant for you. Yes, it is. Uh, you must have uh, uh, just potato and uh, wolf blood. That is all. <laughs> no, not good wolf blood, like from the legs. <laughs> we call them Ukrainian wolf. <laughs> I do like the idea that the Russia is such a depressing place that like there's considered good wolf blood and bad wolf blood like the same way we have like good cuts of meat. <laughs> I mean, there's there's I mean I don't know what the uh, a wolf sanguinist uh, I don't know what the Russian <laughs> word is it is for, for <laughs> Gary. <laughs> it's just a guy named Gary. Yes, everybody gets wolf blood from Gary. Yes, yes, Gary. <laughs> He's so cool. I went to high school with Giddy. He's not so cool. So in addition, very large studies involving tens of thousands of patients looked at gene variation, including the gene for the serotonin transporter. They found no difference in these genes between people with depression and healthy controls. So basically what they're saying is in this case, we would definitely see a difference in serotonin here because the transporter gene is different based on genetics. And that doesn't seem to have any implication for depression. So, I, I mean, what works? I mean, besides ketamine and, and, uh, and I guess hallucinogens. Well, this, this wasn't looking to treat depression. This was looking at the utter... To mock depression. Yes. No, this is looking <laughs> at the underlying cause. This, this has nothing to do with SSRIs. This is looking at what is actually causing depression universally, globally, and and then you can start saying what could be done by it. And here's another quote. The studies also looked at the effects of a stress of stressful life events and found that these exerted a strong effect on people's risk of becoming depressed. The more stressful life events a person had experienced, the more likely they were to be a pr- depressed. A famous early study found a relationship between stressful events, the type of serotonin transporter gene a person had, and the chance of depression. But larger, more comprehensive studies suggest this was a false finding. So, So 
still, what they're saying is something that we know at least partially, which is that life events are part of it. Now, look, when you're talking about depression, you're talking about something that has some kind of nurture component, and there's undoubtedly some kind of nature component as well. The issue isn't, is this a biological component or not? The issue is, is serotonin the cause? And more and more, it looks like, especially with a large analysis like this, serotonin specifically is not. Now, that doesn't mean it's not chemical, it doesn't mean it's not biological, it just means that the, the target we're looking for is probably not going to be serotonin. Now, we can't say this for 100% certainty, because anytime we have multi-factors here, so, you know, nature, nurture, we're looking at the environment, stressful stuff, and whether or not you have serotonin, we could always have a situation where it's too much of one and not enough of another, and that's clouding up the, the issues, and you need both, you know, neither is necessary and sufficient, and blah, 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 blah. But... What we can say is if follow-up studies see this, then we might, if follow-up studies confirm this, we might have a lot to think about in terms of our use of SSRIs. Now, they're not the boogeyman that are often made out to be by like conspiracy theorists, like they're what's causing school shootings and they're blah, 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 but... Sex enthusiasts. Yes, yeah, they're, they, they're, they're a boogeyman to them, That's too. right. They are, they do indeed have negative side effects, as Damien just mentioned. And, and has mentioned it, many times throughout this yeah. article. <laughs> and there's something to consider, because if they aren't going to be helpful, if what we are seeing is that the effect of SSRIs is placebo, let's say, for most people, well, then let's just give them a placebo and they don't have to worry about the weird dick stuff, right? And I I bet there are probably some people who, for whom SSRIs are necessary. There undoubtedly are people with some type of chronically low serotonin level that is so low that it necessitates your brain being unable to function well. And those people undoubtedly do get benefits from SSRIs. But it looks like whatever group that is is small enough that it melds into the background of the data because we're not seeing it represented. So for most people, it looks like that might not be the right route to treat depression because it might not be the right cause of depression. Now, I also want to push back on something else. Just because something isn't the cause of depression doesn't mean that increasing it would not help it. So let's say you're a naturally depressed person and wherever your serotonin levels are, you take SSRIs and you boost your serotonin levels. That could make you feel better, even though low serotonin is not the problem. So even for those people who are depressed, even if this gets confirmed, blah, 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 it might still be that a large percentage of the people on SSRIs should stay on SSRIs. We've also talked on this show that just doing one good dose of ketamine, like has, has a sure. lot of uh, uh, potential. I'm just saying there are a lot of roads, you know, yeah. uh, you could find a fake shaman in Tijuana. And, yeah. uh, and he'll, with his ayahuasca anima, he'll treat you right. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, uh, it's, it's, it's culturally specific to the area. So it's, it's a, a used motor oil ceremony in Tijuana, but yeah. And, the, and that's doctor painted zebra donkey <laughs> to you. So there are some things to think about, though, because even if it turns out that SSRIs should be used, even if it turns out that there are, are places for them, the implications, at least according to some including to some studies, the implications of believing depression is chemical rather than life-based 
can be a sense of hopelessness for some people with depression because now it's out of their control, right? As opposed to if you're saying, yeah, you need to get out, you need to walk more, uh, you need to confront your issues, you need a lot of talk therapy, you need this, this, and this. If it's just chemical, it is kind of out of your wheelhouse, right? You could get the medicine, you can take it, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And it's easier to write that off as a hopeless situation, at least according to some studies. So simply knowing this even if it doesn't change our prescription habits, might change the experience of individuals suffering from depression. Is it worth ineffective genitals? Is it worth paralyzing your genitals? Ladies, gentlemen, and anywhere in between, this is an honest sure. question. They're like, I I'm telling you, you, you could be the most straight-laced Christian person. Try some hallucinogens. I'm not going to say like, you know, one trip on down Mushroom Lane is going to do it, but apparently neither do SSRIs. So now I, I don't mean to throw the mongoose after the snake, but like, let's say you were having those troubles with SSRIs. Could you pop a Viagra and still work or, or is it so overwhelming that it does not work like even with, with medical help? I, I mean, can we pretend to keep it anonymous if one of our fans were to write in <laughs> about their experience? Yes. Yeah. We'll keep it anonymous. They can tell us. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah, very interesting. And and who knows? Who knows how much of SSRI success is placebo? How much is that sub subset of people who for whom depression may actually be caused by low serotonin levels? Is that other subset of people who don't necessarily have low serotonin levels, but higher serotonin levels knocks them out of the depressive funk that something else is causing? Who knows? Again, do not go off this. Also, there's uh, there can be bad side effects when you can go off SSRIs without uh, medical intervention. But like, don't go off anything just because you heard this, but maybe talk to your doctor about it and think about it. Very, very interesting. And maybe that means you have more control of what it is in your life that, that might be causing that depression. And, and maybe that is a bit empowering. Oh, really? These SSRIs are going to cure my Siberian heritage? It's in the blood, Bobby. <laughs> uh, article number two, when we became hot-blooded. Oh, yeah, we're going to the Foreigner concert? Is that what? <laughs> Got a fever of a yeah, all right. Man, talk about a band that's uh, really gone a long way on just a little bit of work, huh? They they knew, you know, you just gotta have just a just a catchy line, just a catchy line, like a, like a song, hot blooded, yeah. you know, like something yeah. you could use. I don't know for a cartoon about boiling of a cartoon rabbit or something. I don't know. Oh dear. Or an Alex Jones wedding. So this is really interesting. This is a very interesting paper that purports to be able to tell when mammals gained endothermy or hot-bloodedness. I've heard that the uh, dinosaurs, their their hot-blooded, cold-blooded thing wasn't as straight, wasn't as cut and dry. Yeah. So yeah, but they, 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 they think of birds. Birds are just dinosaurs of the modern day, and they are they are warm-blooded. They're just not as warm as we are, and so they are warm, but they keep a lower body temperature. Gotcha. Okay. So, but we're not counting that. We're counting whenever the the warm-blooded yeah. shrew who coexisted amongst the dinosaurs when he got. Yeah. It. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When they went from like dinosaur levels to mammal levels. Damien, you want to give a guess? Like when it happened? Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, dinosaurs were Roman. I'm gonna say before the Jurassic period, the late the late dinosaur period, not the early dinosaur period. You know, there's like okay. the. Uh, somewhere in between then. That's my guess. <laughs> somewhere in between then. 
is yes. my guess. All right. The, the uh, later di- before the start of the later dinosaur period. I believe that's the Jurassic. It's not. The Cretaceous is the last one. Okay, find the Cretaceous then. <laughs> Teach me, Mr. Scientist. <laughs> it is before the Cretaceous. It is 233 million years ago. So, as a quick recap, obviously all mammals are are warm-blooded, uh, as are birds, just to a lesser extent. This is helpful for a few reasons. Not having to gen- get your heat from outside or ectothermy is useful because we don't have to go outside when the sun is out to warm up. We won't die if the sun doesn't come out for a certain amount of time and we haven't been able to maintain some kind of heat temperature. Also, for those of us like myself who naturally already have a slow metabolism, it is obvi- it is one of the biggest parts of our metabolism is you have to constantly eat to be able to produce heat inside your body. I've mentioned this before. It's the reason why a gigantic snake that is, you know, it could be hundreds and hundreds of pounds and still eats once a month or so. And it's because it doesn't have to keep its body temperature, which is where we lose a lot of our calories. It's very unhealthy for us to lay in a lake bed and wait for prey for months at a time. Also, we can, this is like a huge one, we can run when it's cold. Like, go up to a lizard when it's cold. You can just pick it up and kick it if you want. Like, you can't do shit. Its muscles don't work because they're not warmed up enough. Ours, because we are, you know, we are creating our own heat from the inside, we can hop out of bed, uh, you know, in the middle of a dark winter where we haven't seen the sun in five months and go running through, you know, negative 30 degrees or something if we're wearing clothes. But the point is, we don't have to warm ourselves up on a heat rock just to get going. Uh, Bobby, when you were going to Berkeley, I believe at some point during then I was going through basic training. No, I was, I was actually in the army at this point. Uh, I remembered one yeah. time it was like snowing out. And we're in the field and I get woken up at five o'clock in the morning when it's snowing out in a tent that I slept shitty in that we were going uh-huh. for a five mile run. And I just had never been more Sounds jealous like about life choices in my fucking life. It sounds like fun. <laughs> I could see my breath and it hurts and I hate it. To be fair, at that same time, I believe the Tridelts had a very large invitational that ended up being less than as exciting as I had anticipated. So we were both suffering our own wars uh, at that point in our life. I only had intercourse with three of the guests as opposed to the six, which I had hoped for. (laughs) Okay, if we're being honest, it was four. But like still lower than average. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for trying to dull that, the, the, the blow. I'm making saying three instead of four. Oh, no, I got blown. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this paper purports to figure out uh, when mammals got their, their hot-blooded nest based on their ear bones. So the inner ear bones do more than just allow us to hear. They also allow us to balance. And as we have talked about before, they have a bunch of DNA that we have recently discovered. So they're cram full of DNA that we can use too. But that balance that comes from the inner ear is done by basically a bunch of fluid that runs through vessels in there that allows us to tell our proprioception, where our body is, what orientation we're at, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why, you know, you can get dizzy when you spin around and, you know, things can happen when you change pressure, all of that kind of stuff. Well, mammals have really unique ones. So if you look at their inner ears compared to other vertebrates, reptiles and stuff like that of a similar size, those semicircular canals are way bigger in other animals, way bigger and really, really small in humans. So what they thought is, well, this stuff has like fluid and it needs it for sensing where it is. Maybe 
in reptiles, it needs to be bigger because their blood gets cold, so it would get really viscous and not work really well. And in mammals, since they're endothermic, it never gets cold because their blood is always warm, so it can afford to get smaller. So therefore, we should look at when these got smaller to tell us when mammals got uh, warm-blooded. And when they entered all the data into the computer, it came out that there was a very specific time, 233 million years ago, where these things just shrank in mammals relative to the animals around them. And that is highly indicative uh, of the possibility that this is when warm-bloodedness came. A temperature differential of 8 to 9 degrees, which is kind of what we would expect between us and dinosaurs or us and birds. So that's really, really cool. We might have used fossils and our own reasoning to infer when the entire group we call mammals got their warm blood. And then shortly afterwards, we gave birth to live young. And, and Or that was... Mixed in there. Who knows? We don't know. You know, this is a chicken or the no egg, so to speak. Uh, we don't know which one of those warm bloodedness or not came first. But, you know, seemingly probably warm bloodedness because platypus still lays eggs. So does the echidna and those are warm blooded. So so unless it you know kind of happened again, we would think that was probably the case. But very, very interesting. All right. Thank you, audience, for coming back to Science Faction 620, where you learned all about how we've been getting depression wrong this whole time. And... When mammals got warm blooded. Thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for Science Faction 621. Hello, yes, Yeri. You are 12 years old. You are now considered Siberian man. Now put on your boots. We must take the wolf blood to go see Gary. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs>